Welcome back to my podcast. Today we'll be discussing offense against the person. They are usually analyzed by division into the following categories. Fatal offenses, sexual offenses, non-fatal, non-sexual offenses. They can be further analyzed by division into assaults, injuries. For example, That makes it possible to further distinguish between the crimes, for example, assault and criminal negligence. Fatal offenses like murder and manslaughter, non-fatal, non-sexual offenses like assault, common assault, battery, or common battery, wounding or wounding with intent, poisoning, assault, occasionally actual bodily harm, and um, grievous bodily harm. Well, the inflicting of grievous bodily harm. Under offenses against a person is mayhem. Mayhem is a common law criminal offense consisting of intentional maiming of another person. One such case happened in LA. Um, Details emerged about two men who were charged in the beating of a Giants fan, Brian Stowe, suggesting that the suspects managed to convey an image of normalcy in their Rialto community, um, despite multiple prior arrests. Louis Alex Sanchez, who's 29, and Mervyn Eugene Norwood, 30, connected by marriage, um, and were both, you know, fathers, um, took part in this crime. They were taken into custody and they lived uh, a few houses, you know, close to each other. So they lived on the same street. They were both charged with one count of mayhem, assault by means likely to produce great bodily injury and battery with serious bodily injury, all felonies. Um, This was released uh, by the district attorney's office in Los Angeles. By the way, this all took place in 2011. Uh, In addition, Sanchez was charged with two misdemeanor counts of battery stemming from a separate incident the same day, according to the DA. The complaint alleged both men personally inflicted great bodily injury on Stowe. The two men obviously led very normal lives, you know, prior to this, although they had, you know, previous history, but they led really normal lives, had very nice families, lived in a great neighborhood, participated in their communities. But that didn't negate the fact that Brian Stowe, a paramedic and a 42-year-old father of two, was brutally beaten in the parking lot of the Dodger Stadium in May 2011. And uh, he was hospitalized 
due to those injuries. Before the brutal attack, Stowe had engaged in a verbal altercation with the two men. Brian Stowe also sustained brain damage from this assault. Modern statutes in the United States define mayhem as disabling or disfiguring, such as rendering useless a member of another person's arms or legs. Uh, the injury must be permanent, not just temporary loss. Some courts will hold even a minor battery as mayhem. If the injury is not minor, mayhem in the U.S is a felony in all states and jurisdictions, including federal. In the states of California, Vermont, and Oklahoma, mayhem is punishable by up to life imprisonment. In other states, there are laws defining mayhem or maiming are in place. The maximum punishment for mayhem is generally around 10 to 20 years, and mandatory minimum terms of imprisonment may also apply depending on the laws of the state. If mayhem was committed in an aggravated fashion, such as in the case of where it resulted in permanent disability or disfigurement, the punishment is generally much more severe and may even include life imprisonment. For example, simple mayhem in California is punishable by two to eight years in prison, whereas aggravated mayhem, um, where permanent injuries result, is punishable by up to life imprisonment. In England and Wales, it has fallen into disuse. In 1992, the Law Commission recommended that it be abolished, and in 1998, the Home Office proposed to abolish it. In the course of codifying the law relating to offenses against the person, so there was this really interesting case of Fetter versus Beale. Sorry if I mispronounced the name. Um, the most significant change in common law mayhem doctrine came in 19 not came in 1697 when the king's bench decided fetter versus beale generally the rule established in this case is that once damages have been fixed a plaintiff cannot bring another action based on same facts but the thing is this man lost a piece of his skull after the fact so the court rejected the plaintiff's attempt to claim a second round of damages after being awarded a small sum in a prior lawsuit and held that the former judgment barred the later action. The plaintiff's medical condition had worsened after his, vic well, his first victory, but the court's holding barred him from recovering damages for the worsened condition, even though he was not able to forecast the worsened condition during the first trial. The the holding of Fetter versus Beale had nothing to do with how the first judgment was entered, whether on a lump sum or a periodic basis. Rather, it stood for the principle of finality of litigation with each ensuing consequence of an injury. A plaintiff was not free to file a new action. A single recovery is available for a single tort. Treaties treatises on damages have cited Feeder versus Beale and similar holdings for the single recovery rule. All damages for an injury must be recovered in a single action. It has been standard within English and United States jurisdependence that a single recovery is to be expressed as a lump sum of money. 
and case law and commentators seem to have assumed that this must be the case. Now, if you ask me if I was the victim in this case, I would feel some type of way about this judgment for me not to be able to go back and, you know, recover more damages because my situation worsened. But that wouldn't be fair, apparently. So, well, you know, it is what it is. But at the same time, how can you foresee what will come due to a certain injury? Should we wait a little longer to see what comes of it before we go to court? Um, yeah, but that's up to you. Anyway, tune in next time. Take care. Bye.